0: Hello, I'm Dennis Jedgets. I'm the married man's coach. And I just wrote a book called The Married Man's Survival Guide. And I'm here today hanging out with the two blind idiots. One wanted to be an astrophysicist and one wanted to be a molecular chemist. Nah, just kidding, these guys are idiots. The blind idiots, welcome to the show.
1: All right, let's do it another week. Another episode is here. The Blind Idiots, Uh, two blind idiots sitting down with people of all different industries to learn a little bit more about what they do. This time, it is a love and marriage coach. Uh, He has a YouTube channel. He's got a book on all this love stuff. This is strictly for men, too. This is uh, a married coach for men. Dennis Jedits is on with us today. What's going on, Dennis? hey
0: guys uh not much just uh getting ready to go about my day drinking a cup of coffee so crazy
1: okay that's so awesome, you, yeah that's crazy so you're in you're in uh taiwan and uh you right. have you're so it's the morning time
0: yeah so it's just it's nine thirty in the morning here yeah and um in your future yes so it's tomorrow for you
2: right wow yeah. okay then yeah. how i'm 40 years old and time zones still blow my mind somehow.
0: <laughs> man, man, I've been like, I've been outside the state. I'm, I'm originally from Texas and I've been, I've been, I left in 2004 and went traveling and traveled and lived in other places. So I've kind of got pretty good at doing time zone math. It's, um, it's, it's definitely an acquired skill.
2: <laughs> All right. So let's jump right into it then. Like, tell us, tell us just kind of your background. How did you go from the States to Taiwan. Give us a little background of who Dennis is and how you got from point A to point B.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I went to UT Austin, Oakham Horns. And, okay. And then, yeah, and I studied, I studied writing and I studied writing really because I didn't know what else to do. To be honest, I really had no direction. And then after a couple of years of, of after graduation, I decided to go on a trip And then one trip led to another trip and led to another trip until I, until I just went to South Korea to teach English for a year in, in 2004. And then I ended up coming home three and a half years later and I just saved up some money. And then I went traveling to, to a lot of different places. And then during that three and a half years, I met a woman, uh, you know, fell in love, the whole kind of story, the whole kind of fairy tale story that I kind of call it now because a lot about what I do now for men is talk about a lot of the ideas that culture and society has, has instilled in us, has programmed with us with that are not really healthy. And so I kind of fell full into a love story with her and it was good. You know, We traveled together, ended up getting married. We ended up getting married three times because she's French, I'm American. We got married like legally in South Korea the second time I was there. And then, you know, we came, I came home to Texas that three and a half years later and we had a, a kind of a religious ceremony. And then we had a religious ceremony for her family in, in France. And wow, then wow. we kept traveling, you know, we did South America, Latin America, we did India together. And then we decided to stop. Traveling is exhausting. Living out of a backpack is exhausting. It's for fun sure. and it's great for, for a lot of different ways. But it's exhausting. That
1: exposure to life is beautiful. I mean, a, that a lot of people don't get to experience that, and but they don't think about what it's like to be in hotel. You know, artists talk about it all the time. Like, I'm never home. I can never be home. Never with family. I'm in hotels, right? So yeah, uh, you know, everything. It's like a va- a place to vacation. Uh, is only nice for vacations. Right, if you live there, it's not a vacation anymore. So,
0: and yeah, that that that's very true. Like in Taiwan, there's a lot of sort of tourist things in Taiwan that we've never done, just because we kind of set up a life here, and then yeah, you know, you never really explore your own backyard. So, how long have you been married, Dennis? Uh, so I've been married uh, fourteen years. Fourteen years.
2: And how did you guys get from Wow, Texas? france taiwan taiwan because of the english teaching like how'd you guys settle there
0: that was kind of part of it yeah so i actually met her in england i was in india so i mean it's kind of a sliding doors moment if you remember those um, that movie sliding yeah, yeah. doors and so there's a class there's a, i had an onward ticket from india to thailand and i but i fell in with a group of english guys and we, you know, we were really getting on and they convinced me to skip my ticket to Thailand and go to England instead and, and, and work, you know, cash in hand, black, I just find a job. And so I did, and that was that's where I met my wife. And so I say, it's a sliding doors moment because if they had not convinced me, you know, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because what's happened to me to become, you know, the married man's coach has everything to do with my wife, obviously. And so, um, so yeah, we met in England and then, and then we traveled, you know, we, 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 li- we li- went back to South Korea. We lived there for a year, got some money. And then we went traveling to, we went back to America, did road trips in America. And then we went to Latin America and then we went to France and stayed there for a few months. Then we went to back to California to do some, um, agricultural work, we'll say. And, And then we went to India together and then we're like, okay, this is exhausting. Let's go somewhere. And we wanted to do, we wanted to go somewhere where we can earn good money. So yeah, that's English, English teaching in Asia. And then we wanted to learn something useful. And we, Korea is a great country. The food is amazing. Yeah. The the landscapes are awesome. I've
2: heard. My significant other, my lady, she was in the Navy and was in China and Japan and Took some time to go to Korea in her off time and things like that, and she said, "Yeah, it's you know Thailand even and and all those places in in Asia." And she's kind of yeah. said the same thing that it's uh, it's it's very different compared to you know she was born and raised raised in Long Beach, California, and the Asian culture is quite a bit different when you go over there for the first time, and just the scenery, um, the way people act. So the you know some of the areas where you are the streets are just immaculate when it comes to being clean um just mm-hmm. the way people maneuver and, and move about them themselves is 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 quite a bit different than than america
0: yeah 100 percent, 100 is very different and we, so we, we decided not to go back to korea because like the korean language is really interesting we didn't think it was very useful so we decided to go someplace where we could learn a language and that became Chinese. And then it was like, Oh, should we go to, you know, mainland China or Taiwan? And then, you know, we kind of decided on Taiwan for, So, um, where
1: did your love for languages come? Was it a thing where you had to learn it because of your traveling or is it something you were really interested in learning?
0: So I'm, um, yeah, it's a good question. No one's ever asked me that before, but now that you do, um, I've been, I, I was in love with Spanish when I was, when I was younger. I mean, except maybe in high school, like my high school teacher, like he, he kind of like, we didn't get along. He wasn't like a, in a very interesting teacher, but he really like instilled in me the idea of like the, he, he, he's, he piqued my interest in languages and then I minored it in, in university. And then I traveled in Guatemala and then, so I really liked, I really liked Spanish. And then I, I really liked, I was blown away by the idea that like, I'm holding a coffee cup in my hand, that the word cup is not true. It's not, this really isn't a cup. Cup is just a a label that I put on this thing so so I can talk about it, but it's not actually the thing.
2: Oh, that dives into the philosophical side of things.
0: Yeah, and then and then when you, and like understanding that with languages, I was just I was suddenly <laughs> like, oh wow, I understand my own language, own language better, and like kind of how to move through the world. You better. saying
1: that blew my mind. I can't even imagine
2: the the <laughs> thought process of the labels in other like oh my like, yeah that just that that took my mind through a whirlwind right there, like thinking about but, that. But it's
0: easy. It's easier when you really get it because if you know if this is not a cup, then you can put then it can be anything else too. You know what I right. mean? When you understand that the word you say is not connected to like the essence of the thing, whatever it is, that it's like movable. Well then sure, why couldn't you use, you know, a word like bates, which is a Chinese word for cup. Why couldn't you? It's just a word, right? You, you, it, it gives you more flexibility.
2: Yeah, it becomes whatever you want to apply to that object, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, exactly. And so if that's Spanish and my wife's French, so I learned French like say I learned Spanish in the classroom and French in the bedroom. Hello. Like a, little bit, my man. a little bit a little <laughs> bit different uh <laughs> a little bit different uh, learning styles there. Yeah. But it's like and so I learned French and then I, and then we came here to learn Chinese and I did a I could have done a better job learning Chinese um like my conversational Chinese is really good. You know, I can go and I kind of talk to anybody about almost anything for about 5 minutes. And then when vocabulary kind of starts to get more complicated, I'll I'll quickly lose lose the thread. But I I just think it's useful and fun to be able to like, you know, kind of collect different sayings and
1: languages. I, I just enjoy it. Dennis, did you did you learn Cantonese or did you learn uh, Mandarin?
0: Mandarin, Mandarin, yeah. And so um, okay. Taiwan speaks Mandarin, right? Um, same as mainland. But in mainland China, they use simplified Chinese. So, so Chinese, there's no phonetic system, right? There's no ABC. And so what does that mean? That means basically you have two languages to learn. You have the the you know the auditory language that you can hear and speak, and then you have the, the written language that you can read and, and write. And there's no connection you know, between what you hear and what you say. Like, I can tell you a word and you can sound it out because English is phonetic, but you can't do that with Chinese. So in, in Taiwan, <clears throat> they use traditional Chinese characters, which are more complicated, meaning they have more strokes. And it's really like they count strokes, like, oh, it's a five-stroke word or whatever. And and in um, mainland China, they are doing, they did simplified and thats they just kind of took out some characters to make it a little bit easier. It's not easier.
2: That's so crazy. So so how many languages can you speak? Uh, I can speak, um, well, I'm a little
0: bit rusty on Spanish. Um, so, I, you know, I, at the height of it, I could speak it very well. French, very well. Um, Chinese, okay. So I'd say uh, three and a half, including okay. English.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's, I mean... I struggle with the English language so shout out to you. <laughs> um no that's that's amazing though and it's it's cool that you like took on you know Spanish I think is a great one I'm I'm starting to try to pick up Spanish right now you know um big shout out to the apps and things that are out there technology is amazing um yeah especially for learning language and so you know yeah. I I think Spanish is just so universal in America today that it's yeah. it's it's definitely something that could be usable for anybody and everybody but you know it's cool that you took on you know you you married a a French woman and then obviously the obvious choice would be to to learn the language you know so makes the communication with her and her family and things like that easier now i would assume 14 years your your wife her english is is pretty good at this point i would assume
0: uh yeah yeah her her english is better than my friend she, <laughs> okay. she studied english like all throughout um lycée which is like high school french high school and it's a little bit different I mean, in terms of that like how they structured the curriculum and and then she studied it in college and when i met her she was like on a working holiday right she went to to england to brighton england for two months just to practice english so her english is yeah i mean you might be able to like, she doesn't even have kind of like the the French accent anymore, which I guess is good in some ways, you know, and bad in other ways, because it could be kind of cute, but also annoying in certain situations. So, you know, give and take.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I bet. We'll have to get you back on for the language stuff. The language stuff is, is, I'm so intrigued by that. So we might maybe ask you back to come just talk about languages. It's it's so awesome. But I think, you know, we want to dive into, you know, really what we had you on for. And it's interesting because, you know, this is Danny and I's second project that we've done. And in a past project, we, we had a love doctor on who gave us a lot of insight from a female's perspective in relationships. And so when I saw your post, it was so intriguing to me because we've never really thought to, to get the information from the man's perspective of a relationship being in a marriage, kind of the ups and downs and and the man's point of view and and kind of dealing with what I would assume is kind of what you do now is kind of trained. So do you want to give us just a brief overview of kind of what your mission statement is and kind of what you do with men and helping them be better husbands?
0: Absolutely. So I help married men um, get more out of their marriage without sacrificing their masculinity. And, and it said like that specifically, because I think in, and, and this is, my business model is, is I'm teaching what I learned when I saved my marriage, because my wife wanted, you know, she was not having me anymore. And, and, and what was going on really is I, I dropped the ball in terms of knowing what it means to be a good man, or, or at least asking that question and looking for the answer honestly in an iterative process. Mm. And so now I, I do, I mean, I do a lot, like I, I wrote this book, the married Man's survival guide, and that's uh, the book is, there's not, I, I use the metaphor of a wilderness, you know, uh, that the marriage is like a wilderness and the wilderness is great except, yeah. you know, if a snake bites you. And, and so there's nine different hazards that sort of the big mistakes that, that I see guys making. And um, I do. I have a, a group on on Facebook, the Married Man Cave, which is about almost four thousand guys where we talk shop. I've got the the channel, the Married Man Channel. I'm um, the Married Man guy. Turns out it was just kind of happened that way. But I I teach. Um, so I say I say to men, there's two skill sets that a man needs to have in order to create a healthy, stable, and fun marriage, and that is being knowing what emotional needs are for himself and his wife and being able to meet them at a deep level mm-hmm. and the second and and this one is is i think this one's talked about a lot I'm, I'm not certain if i think it's um if if people if sort of pop culture does a good job of teaching men how to do this well i'm my, the jury's still out on that for me but the second skill set is completely neglected and it's never talked about and that's how to uh, cultivate and generate attraction with your wife, because and Ooh, and okay. and this is like the plumbing, right? The, so the the emotional needs are like a plumbing in a house, right? You need water. You're gonna have to. You need water to to live, to to use the facilities and whatnot. And and that's the lifeblood of anything. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so you need that. They're absolutely fundamental, and you can't have a healthy marriage without without meeting those. Uh-huh. And, and, but the, the attraction is kind of like the electricity, you know, and, and you could get by without electricity in your house. You know, it's, it's not going to be very fun. It's not going to be enjoyable, but you could live there, you know? And so, so that's what, um, the attraction thing is most often neglected. Men think that when they get married, they're done. And I don't mean, I mean, I do mean like date your wife, but I mean it a little bit more. I, it's more than that. It is date your wife, but it's also look at yourself in the mirror and become, you know, 1% better than you were yesterday. Why? Because men value, or women value men, high value men. And so, so part of, and this is, there's a lot of uncomfortable things that I talk about because they're very um, contrary to the mainstream narrative. Right. And so, I don't know how how deep you guys want to go into that or or not, but that's that's. Let's the talk gist about it, it
1: because uh, real quick, I, I know one of the first things that you said that piqued my interest about what you do is when you said society has programmed something. When you say that, when you you know certain things, when you say that, what do you mean by program? What what exactly has been programmed in us that you speak against? So.
0: Uh, the wife is the one that your wife is the one that she's some um, she's been chosen for. And, and, and so. So the idea of the one is a fairy tale idea that there is a magical person who's been selected by you or for you by some supernatural force. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's you know the universe or fairy magic. I don't know. But that idea. And I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe that God blesses my marriage, but I don't think that God has like somehow set set my wife aside for me in that way. And the reason I don't believe that is because if I were to believe that and act like that, then it would create an unhealthy dynamic in my marriage. It would create a it would create a um a power differential. Meaning like if 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 this person, say a man's married to a woman and he believes that woman is given to him by God that she's the only one on the planet for him. Well think about how special that person is. That person is one in like one in a billion special. And so that creates a lot of problems in terms of how you interact with that person. And what I most commonly see is this means like um men putting up with a wife who cannot admit that she's wrong. Have a group boy. You know you know like and this is this is what i mean it's hard to hear and people are like people at some let me tell you like people get really angry sometimes about the stuff i say and i i say it all with compassion with love i'm not trying to be a jerk to anybody i'm of course you know i love women in general i think they're great i just think they're different than men and so does that make sense so far
1: listen i'm not going to disagree with, disagree with anything you say because i, I- Listen, <laughs> I, I say a lot of controversial stuff, so this this is right up my alley. Some of the stuff that you're going to say is probably not going to surprise me, and we're probably going to be great friends after this. But, Adam, go ahead and ask who you were going to ask. and, uh, nice. and we- <laughs> Well, I'm just
2: going to say, I mean, with your travels and everything and the areas that you've been, there's so much different perspective on culture, on life, on relationships, on love. Is that where a lot of this comes from? Is that a a culmination of the past 14, 15, 16, 17 years you've traveled with your wife and seen how love is looked at and how a relationship is looked at in South America, in in India, in France, in Asia, in in East Asia, in, in all these different places, love and relationships are viewed so differently, it seems like. so. Is that kind of where you pull data from? Is that kind of where you pull a perspective from? Because obviously, like you say, the one and things like that, that's very American. Oh, I need to go find the one. At least, and, and maybe I fall into that category. I'm saying that's very American because that's what I know, right? Like that's what I've grown up to be like, oh, you'll find the one. The one is going to save you and the one is going to pull you up by your bootstraps when you've hit rock bottom and, and be, you know, somebody that's there for you. So is that just very much an American thing? And like, kind of where, where do you get all of this, this information and kind of, you know, kind of your perspective on relationship and love.
0: Okay. So uh, before I answer that, I'll say that a wife, can be there for you and help pull you up by your bootstraps without having to be the one
2: okay okay i get right that, yep. so
0: like function and, and that, that function can still exist and i think it should exist i think a marriage is important you know um it's an important relationship and and how a wife shows up is important and how a man shows up is important of course and it should be cooperative so um a lot of I would say, like my travels have influenced me, but not very much um I grew up on you know the sort of western and I would say western there's um this idea of one I would say it's western, but even I would say it's hollywood and and the more influential Hollywood is, the more prevalent this idea is and I say this is because I have a client in in India and he um you know, he he suffered very much from this idea of the one. And go, as I travel, you know, there's. So I think the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I look around and I see I see families suffering. I see society suffering. Right. And the one reason that I can look at and see that. Well, that's one factor in it, is that because I I believe that in general, a lot of families suffer from a, a dad, a father, a husband who isn't, who isn't in his power as a masculine man. And that's, and, and, in, you know, hashtag toxic masculinity, right? We've, we've, and, and this is not a good thing. This is not harmful. I think toxic masculinity is a, I mean, you, I I say it doesn't exist. I know that there is like, you know, psychologists who will disagree with me. But my point about saying that is I don't think it's useful that it exists. I don't think looking at the world through the lens of toxic masculinity really helps anybody. I think it's just as effective to call out bad behavior as bad behavior without labeling it a certain kind of thing. But anyway, um, about so I've been influenced a little bit from traveling uh, about marriage and whatnot, but not as much. Not as, not as much, I got to where I am because my wife, she was like, she's, my son was nine months old and she sat me on the couch and she said, oh, I'm not attracted to you anymore. And she said, oh, you know, and I want to like, we can have an open relationship. And I was just like, "Whoa, well, <laughs> what? And so I got on the path because I, so my path to understanding this is really the path of say, hey, what do I need to do to be attractive to my wife? which told, which, and that it's a neglected question, right? That when this happened to me, and this is seven years ago now, six years ago now, when she said it to me, I had never even considered asking myself that question or that it would be important. And that question really led me to the point, it's like, okay, how do I be a better man? And then looking back at that, I look back at, you know, college and, traveling ever since is like I had just never really focused on being a good man at all. And that that's really, that's really a, a big part of what I do is help men understand what it means to be a man, a good man. And like I don't tell them necessarily what that is. There's definitely like a structure that I use in terms of 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 how to define masculinity and how to how to optimize it. But there's a lot of you know fill in your own blank stuff too.
2: So wait, you kind of mentioned about being, you know, a good man or like a better man. Was there a time in your life through college or anything like that? High school or kind of in those ages of your 20s? Like, did you look back and realize, like, I made a lot of mistakes. I was kind of a jerk. I, I didn't treat my women right. Was it was a reflection like that?
0: Um, You know, I won't say that I've never not treated a woman right. I'm sure that I have been disrespectful at times, but that's not what I mean. And I'm going to, it's interesting that when I say I wasn't being a good man, that the assumption is automatically that that must mean that I'm treating women.
2: Right. I went right to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that, yeah.
0: That's yeah. the friend that, and that's, that's the common frame, right? Okay. That's, that happens all the time. And we're in, that's the frame that society's in right now. And so What, no, but what I mean when I wasn't a good man is like, I didn't know. So in my, in my estimation of a man, a man has to have a mission in life. And this is not, oh, I'm going to take care of the wife and kids. No, 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 no. That's duty. You made a choice. That's your duty. Your mission is that thing, that, that difference, that positive difference that you can make in the world. And you're going to go out and do it. Why? Because you're a man and that's what men do. I had no concept of that. I wasn't optimizing my strength. If you look at, I focus a lot about the differences between men and women. We're different, and that's not bad. That's good. We should optimize differences. Now, obviously, the, the biggest difference between men and women physically, is anatomy aside, is strength. If a man wants to, he can optimize his strength and become strong, much stronger than... I won't say every woman, because the ends of the bell curve always exist. And that's what people say. If I say, if I say men are stronger than women, somebody's gonna say, oh, but not every woman, not every man. And of course not. Of course, right, That's right, right. kind of the same frame. It's like flipping into that frame. It's like, why can't we say men are stronger than women without having to qualify that?
1: That's a really interesting so take. I wanna talk about this with you. you. You brought up the one. So when you say I'm not my wife's one and only one and she's not my only one what does that mean to you uh, are you in support of like uh, polyamory are you well like what 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 does exa- what exactly does that oh, mean because that's something that i hear a lot of people right. in the polyamorous community say um so we yeah I, that's not what i mean we did an open
0: marriage for a little bit before we had kids and it was It was dangerous and say we we just barely made it. So what I mean is, and my my wife and I are in it to win it. You know, we're in, we're married, we're committed to each other in a deep, in a deep, healthy way. And we want our marriage to last, and we want to keep our family together and stable and strong. But what I mean about the one is that um, so Helen, my wife. She's the woman that I chose and she chose me. And that's the choice that we made. I know, honestly, and and it's a difficult thing to hear, is I know that there's probably, not even probably, I'm certain that there's women out there that are a better match for me. You just haven't come across them yet, right? Is that kind of where you're... Right, right. I haven't come, I mean, maybe I even have come across right, that. Right. But that, the, the point is, is that by being the one, by her not being the one, it's not, the point is not to find the perfect match. That's not the point. The point is to understand that we made choices about getting married and starting a family and that those choices trump any sort of, any sort of, um, you know, better match that might be out there. And no, no, I don't, I I don't, and I don't get to go play like, oh, I need to like fulfill myself. And, oh, and a lot of times women are told like when the marriage isn't good, like, oh, you just need to be happy, you know, happy mama, happy baby. That's, that's nonsense. You, you made a choice. We made a choice. And the societies that we live in, the Western world, they're built on, you know, families. Families are are the smallest unit of society. And so if we don't take care of those, then we have a more disruptive society. It's obviously, there's other factors as well. And so by being, by, by trying to have my cake and eat it too, in terms of like having an open marriage is what we had, um, that just makes the family more or less stable, without a doubt.
2: What were some of those things that kind of, you know, I guess from the man's perspective, you know, we always kind of hear hear things through the grapevine from you know the internet or whatever it might be. But you know what what are some of the things that you look at that when look back at and say that's when we have an open relationship this this wasn't healthy.
0: Oh, okay, so this is a, an uncomfortable thing to hear. Um, men and women are different, and generally speaking, men and women have sex differently. I can go out and and see a beautiful woman and, you know, and if I'm lucky enough to seduce her, I can have sex with her and be done. And so kind of like, that's the end of the experience for me. Women in general, and I know specifically my wife can't do that. So if she's gonna, if she's gonna um, end up having sex with somebody else, it's usually much more than sex. And when it's much more than sex, well, then that, starts to affect the relationship with me, which affects the family unit. It destabilizes the family unit.
2: That's that's really interesting because I feel like Danny and I have had these conversations, uh, again, in, in the past project that we worked on. Uh, we were very, very loose cannons. And we've kind of touched on that same thing that women, one, our perspective is that it's a hundred times easier for a man or excuse me, for a woman to um, have her cake and eat it too in an open relationship versus a man. Because if, if a man doesn't look a certain way, act a certain way, walk a certain way, talk a certain way. That
1: she wants him to have, doesn't get the money that she wants him to get. It's, she's, Women can are more you're not, picky. You're not. going to get her in the bed. It's allowed. It's allowed for women to be more picky. Yeah. But yeah. here's the other thing too. I've also said that you know cheating sucks, right? And and cheating sucks on all angles. But I always say cheating hurts a man more because of the fact that women can go out that night if they do live like how men view sex, they can go out that night and get anything they ever wanted. How amazing is that? Exactly. It's a hundred,
0: like you said, it's a hundred times easier. And that's why, I mean, there's a joke I heard. And if this is too crass, pardon me, but like um, (laughs) people, you know how people say like, oh, well, you know, why do they call like a woman, a slut when she has a lot of people, sex with a lot of people, but they call a man a stud when he has a lot of sex with a lot lot of people. And the reason is, is because it takes a lot of skill. And and power for, and and experience for a man to have sex with a lot of people, and it doesn't take a lot of those things for a woman to have sex with a lot of people.
2: Nailed it, nailed it. And and you equate a stud to probably an athlete, uh, a a, a person, a, a figure of authority, or stud comes with positive connotations, whereas
0: He's got a six pack, doesn't he?
2: Yes, exactly. And slut comes with negative connotations. So yeah. It's it's definitely it's definitely you know nailed it on the head there. Um, I I'm curious to know too like, and it, you know, you went to school for writing, and you wrote Mm -hmm. your book and everything like that. But how did you fall into that? I mean, maybe falling is the wrong word, but how did you come to find out that this was the path that you wanted to go? That guiding men on their relationships and trying to teach men to be better men in their relationships. How did that come about?
0: So I, um, you know, my wife said that to me six years ago. Actually, this might be the six was like September, six years ago. I remember the day well, it was dark and <laughs> stormy. Um, and so I, I figured that out and, you know, it took... I would say it took three months before you know, we were out of red, red alert danger. My son was nine months old at the time. My daughter hadn't been born, right? So I, I, I sometimes stop and think. It's like, well, this person exists because I figured out how to save my marriage. It right, blows me right. away. And, th- and then so after about six months of that and three months, we got out of the red zone. Six months, okay, things are coming back around. And then by by nine months after... Um, you know, we were firmly back on the path and then life went on as normal, but then I kind of looked around and I had a new vision, right? A new perspective. I had experience, interact with my wife in a different way and learning things about myself that negative, that had been negatively affecting me. And so I saw a lot of other people doing the same things. And then, so I started, I started writing, um, started to write some blog posts on it that I, I don't have that blog anymore but I started writing some some things about it and then talking about it and then and then I started um, it really took up I wrote um, I wrote something on Facebook and then started um, giving it away on Facebook and then people started getting into my email list and that's that's how I started talking about it and then at you know that was I was about two and a half years ago that I started doing that. And first kind of like hit or miss and and kind of iterating the process of, of how to do this until you know now growing the the Facebook group and whatnot and getting a lot of experience, not just learning how to do these things with my own wife, but how to help other men apply them to their own life. Well, I
1: think I think it's really important that this this voice is out there for us, right? For men, I think there's so many Everything is women. Everything is geared towards women. If you look at daytime television, that's geared towards women, right? Like everything is women. So for me, I really appreciate uh, you actually taking your situation and applying it to the world. Now, my my question for you is Um the What would you say and how what do you tell men is the first step? Once she says something like that to you, what what do you immediately need to do? Uh,
0: step one is disengage. Don't, because what, you know, like men, we want to solve problems, you know? Oh and boy. that's a big problem. And so you want to, well, you know, you kind of want to like talk it out or talk your way through it or whatever and just disengage. Because the problem, like with my, what my wife said to me, she's not attracted to me. Uh, uh, um, you, in order to be attractive, you need polarity. And in order to have polarity, you need distance. Now you need the optimal distance, right? Like you don't want to move to Alaska or anything, but you need the right amount of distance. And so disengage. Um, and that doesn't mean ignore, it doesn't mean silent treatment. It means you put up the all business front. You know, you don't talk about the relationship. You don't talk about the marriage. Um, you are cordial, you're polite. And if you can muster it, you're funny and charming.
2: You kind of go back um, to the without, old friend zone, right?
0: Without trying to be. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't use the term friend zone because it's loaded, but yeah, I mean right, right. Ten, people don't tend to get out of the friend zone. But yeah, you 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 take a step back, you 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 um disengage with trying to be all up in the business of the marriage and, and the relationship, and then and then you take it as a big signal that something's not right in you as a man that you've not grown up you've not developed some kind of value and that you take it as a signal you give yourself a long hard look in the mirror and then you start answering that question it's like okay how how could i have done this better how do i need to be a better man and you get into the gym and you lift heavy things like it's not you know lift heavy things it's it's important for you as a man in terms of your testosterone if you do compound lifts like Deadlift and squat, you're going to and do them properly. You know, of course, like if you don't know how to do them, then learn from a professional how to do them. But your body's going to produce more testosterone, and that's going to help move you towards being more masculine man, which is going to help you be more attractive to women in general. Whether or not your wife, you know, if it's too late for some men, it's too late for some marriages. That's just the reality of it. So that's what I tell, when, you know, when men come into my coaching program, I can't guarantee them that, oh, I'm going to get your wife to, you know, be attracted to you again, but I can guarantee that if you do what I do, other women will be attracted to you, and maybe one of them will be your wife. I, I can't promise that.
2: Hence the and one, so, right? Going back to that, your yeah, wife exactly. may not it's be like the like one, but another one may be. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And so, and so, but like lifting the gyms, it's not just, it's not just physical strength. It's mental toughness, right? When you go in there three times, four times, five times a week and you discipline and you do difficult things for 45 minutes or an hour, you're mentally strong. Discipline
1: is real. Discipline is healthy for the brain. Absolutely. hundred percent. You have a video that says, um, what does your wife want to hear it's a video you put up eight months ago um and i i want to know that's not that's not like um that's not just black and white that's not just something to one situation so in this video what are you talking about here like what exactly does my wife need to hear in what situation
0: so what your wife wants to hear is a couple things. Say maybe first and foremost, your wife wants to hear you, um, you know, in the background leveling up as a man. You'll hear me talk about that again and again and again and again. But I think the big point about this video is that um, it's the wrong question to ask. What does your wife want to hear is the wrong question to ask. Mm. Meaning that that's still in her frame. If you're interacting with your wife and you're communicating to your wife, it's like, oh, how do I tell her what she wants? You're in her frame. You're in her narrative of the world. And that's not a place that men who are married want to be in or any man wants to be in. Because it's it's not a place of leadership or power, frankly.
1: The Married Man channel on YouTube. Make sure you go check them out. So a lot of... Um,
0: you know the content on my YouTube channel, right? I'm trying to grow the channel, so I have to kind of try to find keywords that people look for, and and that kind of guides my content on that. But it's usually pretty much everything I have on on the YouTube channel is a counter-cultural narrative, because it's like it's like that. It's like it it doesn't, you know, like the there's another one in there. It's like how do you get your wife in the mood? And it's the same it's the same thing. It's like that's the wrong question to be asking because if you're, you know, when a man is on point, when he's on his a game and he's in a healthy relationship with his wife and assuming there's no, you know, medical issues or whatever, then it's not about getting your wife in the mood. You know, I mean, she might reject you from some time, from one time, or sorry, from time to time, but in general, that's not, it's not an issue. It's just, you guys have sex. Cause you know why? Um, and people hate to hear this, but sex is a necessary part of a healthy marriage. A healthy sex life is a healthy, is a necessary part of a healthy 100%. marriage. Thank you. In fact, Creech. yes.
2: Say that shit louder.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But here's the thing: is like, so people think, oh, well, you know, you just care about the sex, whatever. Like, I talk to guys almost every day who've been months since they've had sex, and and that is not healthy. That's not healthy for the man. It's emasculating. It kills the self-esteem. I'm not sure about this, but there might even be like arguments about it being biologically unhealthy for his health. But the thing is, is like people don't, an unspoken contract in marriage is that when two people get married, they exchange, they both exchange sexual exclusivity.
1: Your pussy is mine. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what it means when you marry me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so, true
2: though it's true though it's true though he just said it it's, he's more aggressive sorry
1: <laughs> no 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 all good all i just good. said it more in a more a vulgar so like, way but you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's but that's the thing is like people people and and this is what i see is like and i'm not talking about any specific but i see in general i see culture and i hear from other men is that women try to shame men for this like, you know, it's been a month, it's been a month since the guys had sex. And and then his wife's telling him, Oh, that's all you're interested in. Well, that's just that's just trying to shame him for, for like expressing himself, like it's not expressing himself, but for trying to live out a natural biological impulse and part of the marriage contract. Because if you take sex out of marriage, it's it's it's, un, it's another relationship. It's not a marriage anymore.
2: So I I wanna I wanna um just drop a little scenario on on you I guess and and this is this is yeah. actually um something that I, that I've experienced this is this is my own experiences here and I just want kind of your perspective on it in a relationship and your partner from a man or me to my my lady there's an a constant wanting to debate. So it's hey X Y Z, and and I apologize. I'm 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 drawing a blank on on a it's, specific it's it's thing, fine. but um, there's before even just acknowledging, you know, it's not even something that needed to be debated. It's just an you know. I'm saying X, Y, Z, just acknowledge it, let's keep it moving, yada, yada. The response immediately becomes a debate, becomes a rebuttal. Is that something to be, that should be addressed? And and it, it happens pretty regularly. Like, it's always a rebuttal. It's always a well, but, well, but, okay, but, yeah, maybe, but, you know, like, am I just being too oversensitive to something or, and it's not even a situation where I'm trying to be right about something or I need it my way or anything. It's just, I'm just trying to get a little acknowledgement that, Hey, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You make a great point. Done. Period. But it's gotta be like, it, it's never that. It's a, it's a, but, but, maybe, but, you know, is that normal? Yeah. Or what, what can you do to address uh, that?
0: Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if I'd say it's normal or not normal, but <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I'd call a frame test. So you're because so frame is the narrative. It's um, frame is the meaning that you give an event, a situation, and you're always doing it, and Danny's always doing it, and your wives are always doing it. You're always coming up with a frame. You're always giving meaning to the world around you. Now, what happens is when. Uh, Conflict arises when the narrative that you and your wife give to a to a situation don't line up, and this is normal. Um, this is normal, I'd say, in in a lot of marriages because there's not an agreed upon frame. So, and and this is not something that you necessarily agree on consciously. It's just over time the frame is developed. It's unconscious. Everybody knows what it is, but but it's not talking about it. Right. So uh, what's happening is that there's a frame test there. So either um, she's testing you for to see how tough you are, to see how strong your frame is, and and maybe it's like a bit, a little bit of a ba- bit of a battle for control, for power, a power struggle. For sure. Now, so I do another controversial thing that I prescribe is I. I, my wife and I live it. We have a husband-led marriage, and that's what I that's what I prescribe. And I know um, that's really an unpopular idea here. Uh, in twenty twenty one, but um, so in terms of being a leader of the I'm family, the way, and I, I say every man's you, so. got to, my from my worldview from my philosophy. M- man's got to lead his family. Preach. That doesn't mean that you have to uh, um, overtly get your wife and kids to call you leader or anything like that. It just means that being the leader of the family means knowing, um, having your eye on the ball of your family's emotional needs and being able to meet them at the high level. The person who can do that is the natural leader of an organization.
2: And I think people would look at that and say, or hear that and say, oh, you just want to be the general. You want to be the admiral. And it's not even that, right? Like it's, It's not. Well, I mean, if it's a
0: general, it's like, I mean, it's George Washington leading the charge. You know, it's not it's not some boss with his feet on the desk smoking a cigar. It's like you go first. Right. Right. Oh, there's not enough food. Okay, you eat last, you know, like whatever it is, it's like you. It's a service based leadership. You know, like I'm Christian, so it fits into my narrative, but it doesn't have to be it's just like hey it's your duty as the man of the family to serve your family and this this resonates with men like men know it deep down like hey they are there to serve their family
1: i agree with you and i think the problem is um i think the problem is a lot of social media a lot of these people who want to be quote unquote woke right uh yeah. they've completely taken out the um the value or or what exactly a man's position is uh now it's you know this idea that you're coming from a sexist chauvinist place when when these things were going on decades ago and it was okay for men to be the leader and for women to take care of the home or take care of her family however she sees fit there was no problems i mean that structure really helped a lot of things mm. You know what I'm saying, so I, I I can understand why you might get some backlash in 2021. But that's where I said towards uh, you know earlier in this podcast that I agree with you, and I, I'm going to agree a lot with you because I feel like society has been um, really stripping men of their masculinity. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. Uh, 100%, so so let's 100%. talk
0: about your book. Okay. Can I can, before we do that? Can I kind of come back to um, Adams, like kind of the. Well, yeah. but so I would look at it like that. Like it's a frame challenge. It's a, it's a power struggle. And then, so how do you do it is, is what you have to do at Adam or any man, you know, who wants to sort of make things better is you got to look in the mirror and you got to be, you know, when you say something, are you saying it? Is it, do you have all the pieces? Are you, are you seeing the big picture? Have you And if, if what you're saying is a decision, have you done all the math? Are you sure that this is the best decision? And you have to do a lot of sort of background work before you open your mouth and say something, right? And, and this is not, of course, if you just chat with your wife on the couch, it's a different situation. But if we're talking about leadership or making a move for your family, you got to look at, make sure that you're making a good decision. And then when your wife says, and then once you know that, you say something and you're, you're certain about that. It's as good as I can do right now. I might be wrong still, but it's as good as I can do. You make a decision. And then when your wife says, well, but you listen to that, but you listen to that, but and then you say, honestly, well, is that, but does that, but need to be in here? And I if mean, the but needs to be in here, then you say, well, okay, you know, I'm going to add this to my little map here. Thanks very much. I really appreciate you offering that to me because that's helpful.
2: On that same vein though. More often than not, and let's dive deep into my relationship. Here we go yeah. <laughs> more often than not, um the butt comes out as not fully a thousand percent listening to what I'm saying that there's something that I'm saying, and it's not even confrontational. it's just certain things that it's almost like I'm saying something that triggers something that she wants to say. And so it's like her, it's like her response. She's calculating her response while I'm still finishing my statement. And then it automatically comes out with a will, but it's like, well, okay. But you. I mean, you're not really saying anything regarding what I just said. I mean, you are kind of, but you're not, you weren't listening to me because you were calculating your hands, your, your response.
0: Right. Okay. So then so if that if that's the sort of habit, and then then you, we can objectively say that that's um, maybe maybe her listening skills aren't um, she's not she's not respecting you by actually listening to you. So if that's the pattern that's going on, <clears throat> I don't tend to recommend talking about things as a first line. I pres- I I, um, I recommend behavior change on the man's part first. And see if that gets behavior change from the wife. But assuming that that doesn't, then you talk about the talking, right? Yeah. Some meta conversation. Yeah. It just seems like and and um, like I don't know if you guys know Chris Voss. He's an FBI negotiator. He wrote a book called um, Never Split the Difference. He has some excellent communication te- techniques in there okay. that are really good. And then you you can use some of those. It seems like, it sounds like, it sounds like you're not really listening to me. It sounds like you're just waiting to talk. And then if you talk about the talking, you know, get meta about it, you might be able to get somewhere. But before that, I would, I would do behavior change on your part. Meaning like, if, if you're saying something and she's not really listening to you, then um, maybe, you know, without knowing specifically what it is, I generally recommend like silence first. Like if a woman's kind of just kind of nipping at the guy, instead of reacting or responding i just just to ignore it and then to once that once a man can do that without feeling like he's going to blow up or 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 fly off the handle then to kind of be able to tease her about what she's saying and then um yeah but those are the, kind of the first two does that make sense i don't know if that's helpful yeah yeah
2: yeah no it, it definitely does and i and i and i i i look, so i am I was married once and divorced and learned a lot from that relationship. And that is carried right. over to this relationship. So my communication skills are 10,000 times better than they were right. in my, in my previous marriage. And I try to apply a lot of that to this relationship. So, and, it, and, and we're very good at communicating to one another. I don't want to make it sound like we don't, but you know, there's just times where it it really kind of, the temperature starts to rise a little bit. It's like, ah, you're not listening. Like, and and you know I I I'm very good about just kind of taking a deep breath and letting it go, and maybe that's you, me being a little bit of a bitch, but like
0: well, do you, I, yeah, because if if it's a if it's a consistent thing, like do you ever say so like a a boundary or a, sort of a a, yeah. a nonviolent communication is like I I you know I feel like you're not listening to me, I feel like I or I feel like I'm not being heard here, and I don't know if you've done that, you know, because if it's a pattern like that, then you keep coming back, and this is kind of using. Um, you know, female prerogative or maybe feminism against—not against them, but using that style of communication. But you come to your feelings, right? You say, "I, I really For feel sure. like I'm not being heard." And if That's- she if she dismisses that, then you say it again. You know, broken record, say it again. And if she continues to d- dismiss it, then you say something like, "Well, my feelings are valid."
2: That's definitely something that I've been using more. Is
0: that? Uh, yeah, is that, but I hey, so like the not- last thing about that, what I say is like, be um, ask yourself whose frame are you in mm-hmm. whose frame are you, when you're in this situation, whose frame are you in or any situation? And the more that you are in your frame and that your frame is fun and enjoyable, the more likely your wife is going to come join you in that frame. Right. And that'll be less conflict and more. There's fun something interesting and- you said
1: too. Uh, so you said to Adam based on the situation because something that I would do immediately. And you said, sometimes your method isn't to first talk about something let speak on that a little bit before we hop into your book, because that would typically be my first method. My first method, the moment something is bothering me, I am going to make it known. And that's, that's how I communicate with my partner. I'm going to make it known so that we can talk about it right then and there and move the hell on because I don't want it to come back up again.
0: Right. And, and I would too. Like if, if my wife, um, the other day she did something, she was kind of, um, in my opinion, being disrespectful to me, like in front of her dad, like we had a video call with her dad and I I could tell that she had kind of like was trying to get him to smile or something. So she was kind of saying something to me that I didn't like. And so, you know, not you know, not during the phone call, but not long after I said, hey, I didn't really appreciate that. So it's not that I'm saying you should never talk about it first. I think when something like that comes up, you should definitely talk about it. What I'm what I mean about changing behavior first is like for these long, um, these entrenched patterns. Right? Like if a guy's in a happy wife, happy life um, frame and he just t- tries to please his wife all the time, and they're sitting on the couch, and his wife says, Hey, go get me some water, and he says, Yes, dear, and stands up and go gets her some water. Like that's I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna suggest to him that he explain to her that the happy wife, happy wife model is a terrible model for marriage. It is. And, and, and try to get her intellectually on board. I'm going to tell him to be like, no, 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 thank you. I'm not in the mood. No, I'm I'm good here. To change his behavior in terms of those entrenched patterns. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about your book real quick. What is your book about? Uh, Where can they find it? And how can they get in contact with you? Uh, to get some of your coaching if they're having some issues in their marriage. Right. So uh,
0: the book, Amazon, it's on Amazon. You can get it in paperback or digital copy. And, um, and just go to Amazon and uh, search for The Married Man Survival Guide. That's what it's called, The Married Man Survival Guide on Amazon. And if you want to try it before you buy it, there's a free chapter at emotionalquicksand.com. Emotionalquicksand.com. And you can get a free chapter about emotional quicksand. And that's about like what feelings you should share with your wife and should not share with your wife. And it's, again, it's counter to the narrative that is all around us right now. This whole share my, share your feelings tripe is dangerous. Um, in terms of how to find me, um, I hang out a lot on Facebook at the Married Man Cave. And you could just go to themarriedmancave.com and it'll take you there. Um, and you can find me on Facebook or if you... Um, if you go to emotionalquicksand.com and you and you get that chapter, you'll be on my email list and and um, I'm happy to respond and talk to just about anybody. That's awesome.
1: Wow, that's really cool. Dennis, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, I think it's really valuable information you gave us here. And uh, we're definitely going to have to have you on again because I love relationship talk and I really feel like there needs to be uh, more of that in world, especially... To figure out relationships and navigate through relationships uh, from both genders uh, respectfully and healthily, right? Yeah. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Adam. show
2: him some love. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Appreciate it again, Dennis.